The DeFalco Files is an entertainment-based program. Some memories of certain events might be fuzzy. All opinions are that of the host. Content might not be appropriate for children and some adults. Listener discretion is advised. And remember, the truth is here. Vegas Bad Boys of Podcasting presents The DeFalco Files with FSW owner Joe DeFalco and your host, Matt Michaels. Hey everyone, it's Matt Michaels here on The DeFalco Files with the owner and creator of FSW, the future stars of wrestling here in Las Vegas, Mr. Joe DeFalco. Joe, uh, big week coming up, no escape is on this Sunday, the 29th, 5 p.m. Pacific time at the Silver Nugget Casino. Are you ready? Yeah, you know, you always say you're ready, and then the day of, you get there six hours before the show, and then you turn around and the show, the doors are opening in 25 minutes. So no matter how much you prepare, all you can do is 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 be there. You know, the... the the matches are almost all set. Everything's kind of good to go. So we're just waiting and seeing and, uh, you know, waiting to get those tickets sold. And unfortunately, in the wrestling business, a lot of people wait to the last day or two to buy tickets. So, you know, we still have some front rows. We're, do- we're doing well in-, in that manner. But, you um, know, we, we always want to sell more tickets. And, and for anyone who listens uh, or is catching for the first time, uh, just explain quickly uh, the idea of what, if you're a fan and you've never been to a No Escape event, what the fans are going to see and, and the uniqueness of the concept of this show. Well, it started uh, more than 10 years ago when we decided to finally have a steel cage show or a steel cage match. And at the time we had the two biggest monsters, you know, Alcatraz who had been a, you know, superstar in SoCal for many years, moved to Vegas. You know, he's told the story. I ran into him at uh, the Thomas and Mac and I'm like, Oh, that's Alcatraz. And I went over and I had a conversation with him and never met him before. And thankfully he, saw something in me that was like, you know what? I, I, I'd, I'd love to come back and, and do some stuff. You know, I, he, he I just, he saw, he saw your size and he saw your facial hair and he thought you were Bassman. So that's yeah, why he started so, talking with you. Well, I'm not sure if he thought it was Bassman that he'd uh, want, not turn away and say, no, I'm not Alcatraz. You know what I'm saying? I don't know how those paydays were back in the day. But I can pretty much assume that uh, we were probably similar in what we were trying to pay and what he really wanted to work for. So we brought in Alcatraz. He became part of the uh, 702 Wrecking Crew. That was early on, you know, and then they ended up, uh, you know, becoming a a faction with Mike Modest when we kind of lost the Arizona crew, which was... uh, I even forgot what their name was, but uh, it was Knight Kirk and Gallo, and they were part of. The, they were they were, you know, the badasses of the first FSW shows, you yeah. know. 
And then Alcatraz quickly rose the ranks. He won the title. And uh, Tyshawn Prince, we had finally gotten a hold of him. You know, his initial role uh, back in his adrenaline days, I remember driving and got lost in Northtown somewhere. And I was talking to him about uh, coming in and being Slammy Davis Jr. of the Splat Pack. Okay. And he was supposed to show up the day of the show, and he never showed up, which we found out later. You know, the, the, the owner there tried to, you know, put the kibosh on it, talking shit about FSW and what we're going to do with them. And yeah. finally, with Jay Cash, he came over, and we built him up as a monster. And I remember uh, he wrestled a guy named Josh Carey. And Josh Carey was at Arizona, friends with, with that crew, and he came in. And we had Tyshawn fucking murder him in like 30 seconds. And Tyshawn started rolling. And I remember there was these group of football players, a guy named uh, uh, Mike Halverson. And Halverson wrestled in Rush's company uh, back in the day in Buffalo Gym and stuff. And he was the owner slash main guy of a semi-pro football team in vegas or maybe up in reno but he had moved back to vegas and there was this group of five of them and they were like all looking like linebackers and you know wide bodies if they weren't tall they they were either big or they were wide you know and they'd come in and they'd heckle and they'd heckle and i remember tyshawn prince and they started heckling him and he shot over a look and these were like five big boys and they kind of chilled and then after the show, you know, they ended up talking to him and stuff. But you could see they were intimidated by Tyshawn Prince. And we had built up Tyshawn. And I remember we did a uh, a show at the old Boulder Highway. We set it up because at that point we weren't doing Samstown yet. Okay. So uh, Alcatraz actually had wrestled Eugene at the very first Samstown event that we did. So now Tyshawn was getting the build, and we did a lot of our bigger shows at the FSW Original Arena. And we did uh, a double pin between uh, Tyshawn and Alcatraz. And with the double pin, the you know, we decided, okay, well, we got to get to the next step. So we did the uh, we did the steel cage match which for many years until Cage, Brian Cage and Matt Hardy in the TLC, that was the biggest show in FSW history. Uh, And that's when Tyshawn originally won the FSW Heavyweight Championship. And from that point on, it's been, you know, every year we've had it. And then I'm not sure either the third year or the fourth year we decided to you know, make two steel cage matches. And then eventually we settled on three. Last year we did four. But normally we'll do uh, three steel cage matches, which is what we are doing today. And, you know, Hammerstone and Ice Williams. uh, First time ever we're doing the women's in the cage match. Uh, We did a last woman standing uh, many years ago. Uh, It was Hudson Envy and Heather Monroe. And now we're doing Viva Van and Maserati. 
and they'll be inside the steel cage for the, the top two titles in FSW. And then we have the grudge match, which is a no escape, no escape cage match, which yeah. means you can't escape the cage. Nick Bugatti is known to run and hide, and Nick Bugatti must stay in uh, the inside the cage, or he will be kaput in FSW if he wants uh, to try to escape. He ain't winning that way. Do you, do you think that in the overall with what Nick Xander has shown in his abilities and how fast he's risen over the last two years, do you think for him this opportunity to go against someone who is as crafty and as much of a veteran as Bugatti will give Nick a chance to not only get out that aggression and frustration he has with Bugatti, but also just to show that, you know, he he's on the serious level that the guys who have the belts in FSW now need to start paying attention that Nick is no longer just a rookie. Nick is a, um, a viable contender for the, the championships. Well, Nick will definitely tell you that he is. And, you know, he's had that success elsewhere and yeah. he hasn't really sniffed title opportunities in FSW and you know that goes about saying about how great our roster is that a guy like Nick Buga uh, Nick Xander who has won titles in other companies is still trying to break through to get those opportunities in FSW but you know if if you look at our roster from top to bottom you know, the heavyweight division, the tag division, the no limits division, Nevada State's kind of a, a cross between some of the heavyweight guys and some of the no limits guys, as seen by Damian Drake, former no limits champion, wrestling for a Nevada State title. And the influx of new talent and uh, a win at no escape inside a steel cage, you know, definitely would put him you would at least think in an opportunity, you know, I know Facebook is very uh, important for a lot of these guys to try to jumpstart feuds. I don't really like it because these guys are trying to make matches that we're not looking at. And it's like, well, you're kind of going to be in a program and feuding with this guy and you're talking about this guy and you know it makes it confusing you know to the fans and it's like you know nick has a good following so now nick says hey i want a match with matt vandegriff and i want a match over here and it's like well right now that isn't the plan and unfortunately now the the fans get behind it and they want to see it which is great for future reference you know, but he's got to get through what's in front of him. And sometimes maybe it's not meant to be, but it's perceived as they are overlooking what they're doing now because they want that guy. You know what I'm well, saying? It could be, though, too, in this, you know, th this new um, marketing avenue of your brand as an independent wrestler uh, using social media to catch the eyes of as many people. So 
if if they say they're they're looking at so and so, could it also be on their behalf trying to draw those eyes from you know let's say uh, you know someone in in Northern California's eyes onto you, someone from Arizona's eyes onto you, more of that bigger scope so that maybe they would check out let's say the fsw network or fight tv to catch a nick xander wrestling um on an fsw show and then know hey i can catch him when he comes to norcal or arizona or, or another state is that something that kind of is an interesting thing where you as a promoter have storylines and what's going on and then them as trying to get their brand over potentially are creating things that might or might not happen but is keeping them in the uh, the eye of social media. Well, yeah, you know, I, I understand it a hundred percent. But as somebody who's trying to promote this, sure. you know, for my liking, that's what I'd prefer. You know, again, sure. obviously, you know, I remember back in the day, and it was like, you know, Shane Douglas would call out Ric Flair and Hulk Hogan, right, and they would never respond. And why wouldn't they respond? Because ECW was the was down here, and they were in another company, and it was never going to happen. So if they acknowledge Shane Douglas, it puts more eyes on ECW, which was right. what Paul Heyman wanted them to do. The more people, if it got referenced, you know, back in the day, maybe ECW would have never shut down if there was Twitter and all this other stuff back in the day, because yeah. they. You know, it's kind of like with the GCW, you know, thing going on that it it, it 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 it's blown up beyond most people's beliefs of, you know, how that company has grown so much over the last couple of years. And I have to credit Twitter more than Facebook on that because Twitter, man, it's it's instant. It's short. It's quick. And right. it's GCW this, GCW that, and people putting it over, and they're interacting with their fans. And now when they're going to different places, like when they go to Vegas, there's a big difference. You know, we like to say we we're, we run Vegas. Well, back in the day with Ring of Honor, Ring of Honor ran Vegas. But then right. after a while, it got kind of stale to some people, and our big meccas would outdraw them. But we saw AEW weekend. By far, GCW was bigger than us, bigger than Revolver, bigger than Black Label Pro, whatever that was going on. They had a great time slot, obviously. But right. the fact of the matter is, people know it's a hot ticket, and immediately they see it, they're going to buy that ticket. Our fans will be like, hey, I'm going to need some tickets, and they kind of hold off, or they'll pay the day at the door. They know they can't do that at GCW. Right. They know that front row is going to sell out in an hour or two if they're going to buy those tickets because they're only out here once or twice a year. So it's a big deal. And they've made themselves a big deal throughout the United States, which is crazy. You know, they go to L.A., big crowd. They go yeah. to they go to Chicago, big crowd. They go to Atlantic City, huge crowd. Yeah. You know, and and they're making the you know the, the 
the myth just keeps growing. You know, there needs to be a, a dark side of the ring, the, the the rise of GCW, because, you know, they went from running a couple hundred people, if they were lucky, up in, the, you know, the Jersey, New York, Philly area, to now drawing a thousand people in in many shows. And, you know, they're bringing in some of the biggest names, and they bring in matches that people are like, Joey Janela is going to wrestle Brutus the Barber Beefcake. Oh, we got to see that, <laughs> you know. And they were the right. first to do that with, like, the Ricky Mortons and right. two Colt Scorpios. And then they mix it in with, like, a guy who blows up like Nick Wayne, who they use at 16 years old. Yeah. You know, I'm waiting for Bodie to get the call. <laughs> I, and, and it might not be too far off. Um, that's the thing. Uh, but but that, you know, that and that ties back into, you know, here's another young guy who if, um, you know, if he did get that call, that exposure that he gets on social media, then again, puts a spotlight on you guys. So it's fascinating. You know, remember how it used to work where it was just like, Local flyers, and, and that was it. Word of mouth and flyers, and hopefully maybe a, a television ad can get you, you know, a crowd that would be good. And for the wrestlers, it used to be that whole send out those those tapes and those resumes. Yeah, and those yeah. <laughs> when we first started trying to do the Vegas Extreme stuff in 1999, I remember getting VHS tapes. From all yep. over, you know. I remember it was uh, the Cold Brothers. It was like Stone or whatever it was. But it was funny because they had, you know, something cold. Ice cold and something cold. And and I remember one guy sent in a tape. And I forgot his name, but it was a SoCal guy. And he wrestled uh, Frankie Kazarian on the tape. And this is obviously, you know, when Frankie Kazarian hasn't even been, you know, seen in, in any major companies, but he was yeah. kind of a stalwart in the SoCal scene. And yeah. I remember it was like Kazarian's flying all over the place. Blah, 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 blah. And then all of a sudden it was like, oh, reversal, one, two, three, Kazarian loses because the guy ran the company. And it was like, <laughs> man, there was nothing there that made me want to use that guy. It was like just because you won the match. It was like you could see Frankie Kazarian was in a whole different league with this guy. And we used to get these tapes all the time, and it was just like, wow. Because, oh, you know, people were always looking for work. And yeah. that was probably the first time I'd ever saw Frankie Kazarian, you know, which is similar to the Gabe story. Uh, a female from the West Coast sends a tape for herself uh, for, for Gabe to look at and is wrestling Lacey Ryan. And Gabe's like, who the fuck's this chick? She's really good. And then he hit her up, and then they talked, and then she ended up getting the tryout, and then she got signed. So, you know, despite the fact that she had wrestled Tessa Blanchard on FSW and she wrestled Jordan Grace in Impact, he still was right. not aware of who she was. Right. And it was a random, a random link to a YouTube video that got her looked at yeah yeah and you never know you know even when other companies you know if impact has an eye on you it just takes that one 
fluke of running across some good footage of you, even if you didn't present it for someone in the WWE to take interest and, you know, reach out and try to find out what your story is. So it's a, that's a great, a great lesson that, yeah, those, those tapes, you know, first off, represent yourself to the best of your abilities uh, when you're sending in any kind of, you know, footage to anyone and, and B, uh, you know, make sure it looks good too. make sure it's professional. Um, because I remember some of those VHS tapes, man, <laughs> it's just the crappiest, <laughs> the crappiest, like you can't even sit through these videos because they're so bad. And it's just like, of and course you, you, and you can't help but notice there's only 23 people in the audience yeah. and, and just the atmosphere is miserable. Yeah. And you know, sometimes you see like the farm animals in the background cause uh, like a fair, <laughs> it's like just craziness uh, to the atmospheres that surround it, which is another reason why no escape is a big, um, you know, show coming up is because again, the fans at FSW, you know, it's usually packed in there. And when you have that kind of atmosphere and energy, especially when you have three different cage matches uh, going on, it's just incredible to watch. And it looks so good the way the production uh, team has put in the, uh, the hours and the money and everything within the last couple of months to upgrade Um are you happy with what you're seeing from the production value side of things? And have you gotten any other talks with fight TV to, uh, you know, further the brand right now? Uh, I haven't talked with Michael Weber, but the thing is, it's like we had talked about uh, fight plus, which we're a part of and we get our stuff goes on there. But the thing is there's only X amount of dollars to be split up. So no matter how many views you get, this is the pie. And yeah. it's based on minutes. And GCW is now a part of that. And I already noticed, not that our checks are huge from Fight Plus because we don't order anything live. But right. the, the first month that's come in, it's drastically dropped. And it's based on minutes. So... We could have 10 times as many people watching us on Fight Plus Live and we still get a third of the money that we would have gotten through the pay-per-view because right. GCW just ran two events this week, two events next week, two events the week before. So now they're getting 10,000 minutes, just for an example. Well, we're getting 2,000 minutes. Right. Well, there's still only this amount of money because nobody pays extra. So it's hard for me to imagine that we could make more money in that. And, and you know, obviously it needs to be more sit down and, and getting the numbers. Because at that point, I need the numbers. Usually they're pretty close to the vest on, you know, what other companies. And it ain't based on what other companies do. It's like, I need to know how many subscribers, how much money is in the pool. Because right. just to say there's $10,000 in the pool a month. Well... Yeah it's not going to change. It's still $10,000 in the pool. Now, right. regardless, last month we had a thousand minutes or, you know, 10,000 yeah. minutes. And this, this time we've had a hundred thousand minutes, but we made less money. And why do we make less money? Well, because GCW had a million minutes, you know what I mean? So it's like, 
this is more technical than just yeah. hey let's go over here because i guess the the fight t the fight plus i guess is similar to what the iwtv thing is right where yeah. you get based on how many minutes so it's going to be how many shows you do and how much content you put out there and you know if you bought no escape live in 30 days you're probably not going to watch it on fight plus anyway so that's not going to help us right so yeah. all that is 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 excess for the people that are looking to spend who've spent five bucks a month and didn't buy it which again there's going to be way more i don't know if they have a thousand subscribers or fifty thousand subscribers, you know what yeah. I'm saying. So it's like I need to know this information before you know any decision could be made. Unfortunately, yeah, that's interesting, and especially too with WrestleMania weekend coming up and GCW is running like twelve shows or something they announced, which is just insane. Um, I well, mean, yeah, they do that every year. You know, we had talked with them about it in Texas, right. but the cost was just too much. And it was like the slot that was available, you know, it was like 11 a.m. on a Friday. And it's yeah. like, yeah, you know, it's sure going to be awfully costly. Not, yeah. We're not even counting the talent. That That's great. We don't have to fly anybody in. But the cost for the venue and everything else, it sure seems high considering that there's other eight other companies in there yeah or 10 other companies yeah yeah it's just interesting how they've made the collective thing and uh you know and then to hear then about you know fight plus and how that works just very interesting concept um so you uh talked a little bit about uh viva van and maserati in a cage are we pretty sure that this is both of their first times in a cage i do not know if viva van has been in a cage i'm pretty sure maserati has not yeah uh you know unless she wrestled inside the steel cage in trinidad and tobago recently i i don't know i i i didn't get that update but i don't believe she has yeah uh, i'm looking forward to seeing what those two bring because the the intensity of the rivalry is definitely there um do you think for maz being that she is the former fsw women's champion do you think that losing this match to viva van would potentially maybe drive her away from fsw like is this a must win for her to kind of keep her, you know, uh, satisfied and in the show that she's the alpha in the women's division. Uh, or it would motivate her to come back even stronger. You know, I don't know. She had been gone from FSW for a long time. You know, she was the queen of, of the, of the women's division for a very long time. And, you know, she didn't step away because she took time off. She stepped right. away because she was getting some big opportunities and, at that point, schedules didn't mix and match. And right. to bring her back for one show and not have her again for a month or two uh, wasn't something that we were exploring at that time, you know? Right. So, you know, Viva came in. She got she worked a lot of the shows. She made FSW a priority. Uh, the crowd really started engaging with her. 
because if you recall, she came in as uh, she was part of the, she was a heel, you know, she yeah. was somebody that actually aligned with Maserati when we, uh, I believe the last time they were together before Maz coming back was the battle of the sexes matches that we had. And I believe Viva was on the team with, um, with Maserati. And then she was gone for a while and then we brought her back. And when we brought her back, she had been really, really successful over the past maybe four or five months that we didn't use her, that she right. kind of got a hero's welcome, which I remember being like, wow, like all of a sudden they're cheering Viva Van, which, yeah. you know, came as a surprise. You know, she didn't do anything in FSW to warrant like people to being like, oh, yeah, I can't believe she saved Alice Blair. We really like her now. It was, you know, they've seen because – you know, a good portion of our fans are are smart fans. They 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 right. check out other local or other independent promotions in California and Arizona. And you know, when Jay Vidal and Matt Vandegrift and Hammerstone and Sin Bodie are working PCW Ultra in California, you know, people may pay attention to that, and they say Viva Vans won a title there. And United Wrestling. And people wear them. So they see her on there and she's successful. And it's like, oh, cool. She's back in FSW. You know, here's somebody who looks really good. And she might be somebody that may step up to that next level. And our fans love getting behind the next level. It's like I'm still watching like Monday Night Raw. And it's like, you know, to me, he's always Sean Ricker. And it's like, wow, he's inside the ring with the fucking Undertaker. And yeah. <laughs> he's the heel, and it's just like in FSW. He goes, yeah, and then everybody responds. Yet he's still a heel yeah. because they dig what he says on the microphone. Yeah. When the match starts, they may boo the shit out of him. They may want to see Bray Wyatt win. But when L.A. Knight is talking, you know, people, people don't give him the what. Don't let him speak. They yeah. give him the... Oh yeah, this guy he's entertaining. And, and that's what it's about these days. And and it's not trying to portray a a a tweener, you know, a lot of the, the heels are trying to sell the merch as they say and you know, kind of like the old NWO days of when, yeah. you know, they were the cool heels. You know, LA not not trying to be a cool heel. He shows his ass, you know, you know he's probably going to get smashed by Bray Wyatt. But he's going to be that guy because of the way he talks that he is still going to be a viable commodity. You know, in FSW, it's kind of like you look at Ricky Tenacious. You know, his win-loss record is, is, is pretty brutal. But he comes out and he's entertaining to the crowd. And he's actually swayed some people to where they actually cheer him. Yeah. Because... Yeah. You know, he's putting in the effort. They've seen how he has progressed. And, you know, they're showing signs of respect for, you know. Does, does that also have to do a little bit with guys who really are solid foundational wrestlers? Guys who can, you know, really um, work a match, who can make the other guy look good, even though they're taking the losses 
but they still have entertaining characters that the crowds are behind. You think that earns the respect of the fans, uh, you know, as opposed to, uh, you know, guys who go out there and get beat, but are, they don't have any depth to the personality at all. They don't have charisma there. They're just, you know, at this point, just working to, you know, for whatever, you know, reasons, they just haven't found that yet is, is that something that really kind of sets in with a guy like Ricky, where if you took that persona away, he'd still be a strong worker, but would the fans be as invested into the character uh, without, you know, that personality there? The thing is, you know, there's some people, and you could see, and it is an FSW, it's AEW, it's WWE, that you can almost look at their entrance and know that they're going to lose tonight. Right. That they're going out there and they know they're putting the other guy over and they also understand that's part of the business, but they feel that they should be in a higher spot. And I've seen it everywhere. Of course, I've seen it in FSW. I remember years ago, uh, we were having the start of giving Hammerstone some wins over some mid-card talent. And, you know, I remember oh, uh, butting heads a lot with a guy like Kid Vegas. And Kid Vegas always felt that he should be in a higher position. But the thing about Kid Vegas was win or lose, he didn't let that affect him when it came to his performance. Right. So I remember he had a match with Hammerstone, and he made Hammerstone look like a million bucks, which made him look good. And, you know, I'll say it, you know, uh, Jason Cash, Jay Cash. Jay Cash, later on, he ended up hooking up with Hater. We did the Players Club, things like that. Well, Jay Cash, who was a guy initially – he worked at Samstown. We had him work Chuck Palumbo. He was a big, agile guy who could do some shit. You know, he was yeah. boys with Tyshawn Prince. And there came a time when Jay Cash may not have been in the best shape that uh, he had been in. Uh, he was getting up in age. And I had him work Hammerstone. And I remember after the match, Tyshawn Prince lambasted fucking Cash and felt that he kind of sandbagged a little bit because – he was unhappy that this young kid, who at the time is now probably 23 years old, was getting the victory, and he felt, hey, I've been in this business 15 years. I've done this. I've wrestled that. And, you know, maybe he didn't give forth 120%, and he, yeah. definitely, he definitely didn't put forth the effort to make this young guy look good. And, you know, that's the difference. It's having pride in in yourself. You know, that's why there's sometimes, you know, I know people say, oh, I can't believe it. These guys are killing themselves in front of 30 people. What the fuck are they doing? Well, if your rate's X amount of dollars and the promoter's still losing money, he still wants to see you put forth the effort. Uh, it isn't going to be like, hey, well, here's half the money because you gave half the effort. The wrestler right. would beat the fuck out of the promoter, most likely, if you know that was the situation. You know, 
So unless it was Brandon G, I'm not sure he would be able to beat up the promoter. But does he have the book or no? He might hit him with the loaded book, you know. But you know, in those situations, so what's right, what's wrong? You know, you, you want to give forth an effort. You may want you may not want to go out and do some of the insane things that might not be the match where Eli Everfly needs to, uh, you know, climb to the rafters of the Silver Nugget and dive off it because there's right. 17 people there. But giving forth uh, as great an effort as you can inside the ring is fine. You know, the bells and whistles are the bells and whistles. You know, you always want to save some stuff for for the big, the big nights, the big shows, the big matches. So, you know, it's kind of a catch-22 in that situation. But you need to go out there and you need to perform because if we run a future shock and we have 43 people there because, you know, it's the kids selling the tickets and some guy from out of town like Primo Henio comes to town who I hear good things about and he looks around and is like, oh, FSW, you know, I hear all these great things. Not not saying, well, this is a student show. That's a casino show. Hey, there's right. 43 people in there. I'm going to mail it in. Well, guess what? Joe Falco's not going to book Primo Henio again if right. he if he if he puts up a lackluster performance because it seems like he doesn't want to give the effort because eh, there's not a lot of people here. Yeah. So um, you know that's why you got to go out there and 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 work hard. I'm not saying you have to do crazy things, but work hard and right. you know. You want people to want you back. Yeah. No, that's that's a great point. And that, um, you know, makes me think of uh, what we've been seeing from Danny Limelight. Um, you know, not only in FSW, but in every promotion that he's in right now and every place he's going, he's making people want to invest into him. How does a guy like that who I'm sure is very tempting to want to have him around, you know, a hundred percent of the time. Um, how do you balance a guy like that who could potentially come in and win the championship, uh, the no limits championship from Matt Vandegriff? Do you think that if, if a guy like that would win the no limits championship, would that put more light on FSW and, and that title? Or does Matt, who has a growing base now and is really, you know, stepping up and making his presence known, um, is that something that, you know, like how, how do you look at that contrast between these two personalities that both guys have it, right? They both have the it factor, but one is a little you know, a little more established and one is on that upswing of getting more established. How does that as a promoter, do you look at in terms of if one guy or the other guy leaves with the belt, what it will do for your company? I think I'm in a no lose situation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because Danny Limelight, he is hungry as hungry could be because he's already tasted it. He got to work Kenny Omega on an AEW show. He was a yeah. tag team champion in MLW. So right now he is chomping at the bit. And he knows that it's just a matter of time for him to be signed by a major company. 
And then on the opposite end, Matt Vandegrift, he's he's that it guy now. He's the guy that people are looking at like, man, he, he's really starting to put it all together. You know, maybe he gets, uh, you know, he, he's improved his look. He's improved, uh, you know, his work ethic. It's always been good. Now it's fantastic. He's a guy that has seen Jay Vidal and Lacey, people that he trained with, get to the big time. You know, a lot of people talk about Matt Vandegrift as, oh, you know, he's that next FSW guy. He's young. It's everything they look for. You know, whether whether the promo ability is going to hurt him, I don't know. Does anybody talk about, yeah, Mike Bailey's great and all, but man, I don't I haven't seen him cut a really great promo. So yeah. in some cases it isn't necessary. Danny Limelight is different and he's polarizing. And I seen him cut that babyface promo on Jordan Clearwater, and I was like, Wow, this was a great fucking promo. So yeah. it doesn't matter whether he's a baby face or a heel he's in great shape he's tasted it yeah. so yeah like the video he did he incorporated a lot of things you know he incorporated slice boogie he opens the video and you're seeing two girls making out it's like why would people keep their eyes off this then he comes yeah. out there and he cuts this promo and then slice boogie's hilarious and we don't even use slice boogie, but they're <laughs> boys. Yeah. So, but the history he plays into it because they all train together at Santino Brothers. Yeah. So Matt really needs to cut a promo to answer back. And, I agree. and and that's like, you know, he needs to, you know, promo 101. You know, if you're not sure, then talk to Joe. We'll help you out. You know, we'll you know, we need you to get out there. And I, I said to him, we don't need a rock Billy Gunn situation. Because, right. you know, no, almost nobody is going to beat Danny Limelight in a promo battle. But you got to hold your ground. You got to stand your ground. And you got to make some good points. Because he has the advantages of that. But Matt Vandegrift has the other advantages. So, right. you know, he might have five A's and five B's where Matt has five B's and five A's. And right. if you once you put everything together, it, it's a pick a match. It's a it's a balance out, yeah. Yeah. Uh and you know, you have your uh, your connections through the old workplaces. I really would love to see um, come back with a promo in a strip club. Hey, you never know. I'm not. I'm not sure if the Godfather still works at the Rhino, but you know, uh, my my buddy works over at Centerfolds across from uh, the the Virgin Hotel. Kind of crazy, oh. the strip club and the Virgin Hotel. So, <laughs> um, you know, we talked about Matt. And now we a little bit about Damian Drake. Uh, going against Greg Sharp. Um, do you think with with Damian Drake and what he is 
ultimately trying to do to prove that, you know, that he is top caliber, that, you know, he is someone who should be looked at. You should, you know, the, the fans obviously enjoy him, but I think you see a little bit of what Greg went through is I think right now, Damien, I don't think he feels that respect there. And I think he's got something to prove against G sharp. Um, is this something where sharp might've got himself in, in trouble here by doing two out of three falls match? Well, you could say that, but the fact of the matter is Damien Drake has to pin Gregory sharp twice. Yeah. You know, yeah. one time, you know, split second. But he's got, he's got to get caught twice, Gregory Sharp. And Gregory Sharp in 2022 was undefeated for 11 months, 30 days, 23 hours, and about 52 minutes. Right. And it took the, the New Year's Eve show – with five minutes left in the, in in 2022 to take that pinfall loss. Yeah. So the bottom line is and that and and he basically screamed it in the promo. You know, you 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 gotta beat me twice in the same match. And it's tough enough beating the champion once. So, yeah. no, the odds are stacked against him, uh, Damian Drake. And, you know, you could say whatever you like, or Damian Drake could act like he hasn't gotten respected, but Damian Drake was the No Limits champion. Right. A, a year ago, he was a tag team champion. Right. Then he went and became the Limitless champion, pinning Davey Richards in the final uh, part of the four-way elimination match. Right. Beat Matt Vandegrift in an Ironman match, who many people right. consider the wrestler of the year. And Damian Drake has those victories. So the thing is, a lot of people, what have you done for me lately? It's like you, you can't forget everything he's done just because Matt Vandegrift had a huge year and Gregory Sharp had a huge year. Those right. huge years in the last couple of years came out of nowhere from Gregory Sharp. Damian yeah. Drake has been a top guy, you know, for a long, long period of time. Sharp's a guy who's always been solid, but he's gone to different countries. And Damian Drake has done it here in Las Vegas. And he has yeah. been one of the top guys. You know, you go, go back to him wrestling Hammerstone. And, right. you know, that match went back and forth. Damian Drake has proven on numerous occasions he could go with anybody in FSW. Chris Bay and him had some epic matches. Yeah. So the only people who might be sleeping on him are maybe the fans who are a little newer to the company and maybe have only been around a year or so. Sure. Because they've seen oh. the explosion of a Jay Vidal. They've seen Hammerstone. They've seen Vandegrift. They've seen Gregory Sharp. You know, they're seeing the rise of a Danny Limelight. Right. They've seen Ice Williams. They've seen Funny Bone and Remy and Cody and Jacob Boston Young and, and, and all these guys. 
You know, a guy who's lost in the shuffle who's finally getting an opportunity was a Jordan Oasis. There's a guy who's like simmering, but there's so many great talents above him. It's like he's trying to break down that door. And and it's really hard because there's so many established guys. Yeah. Well, I think in Damien's case, we could clearly say that uh, he's going by the motto of don't you forget about me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, before we talk a little bit about the uh, the main event, uh, what uh, what is in store on the rest of the card uh, for Noah's Gate? Well, we have, uh, after 14 months, Class makes his in-ring return against the man who put him out for 14 months and took his championship, the Nevada State. But Class also now has his half-brother, Devin Reno, yeah. uh, at his side. So yeah. that's going to make it interesting. There's, there's a lot of fire in Class. And, you know, that that is going to be interesting to see. And right now we have a scramble match. And we're still not all there. But right now it's Jacob Austin Young, uh, Jordan Oasis, Clutch. And just yesterday we got Brandon Gatson signed. So, and we're looking at a combination, trying to make it work travel-wise. with Eli Everfly and or Juicy, who's looking to make his return. And we're talking about February, but we're trying to get him in as soon as we can. And we yeah. feel that Juicy would be a good way to, to, to change, make the scramble a little different than most of the time where it's a lot of no-limit matches. It's generally yeah. no-limits guys kind of flying around. And now adding clutch to it, it'd be nice to have a guy like uh, Juicy, you know, yeah. in there. And again, all the titles are on the line. So you got, you know, the five five title matches. Uh, we've already announced uh, Xander and Bugatti in the cage, which is six. The uh, Remy Remy match is seven, and then the scramble will be eight. We're probably going to do a pre-show for sure. And uh, three of the names I can guarantee are Sky High. And uh, Brett the Threat will be involved with that. Bodie will be on the card, uh, whether it's with Sky High or in the scramble. uh, You know, the young prodigy will definitely make an appearance in one of those matches. Uh, Who's TBD going against? Uh, TBD will be going up against Fresco and Watson. Okay, that's right. Uh, Fresco and Watson... Let me ask you, you know, for watching them for, what, about three, four years in their development, is it, are they finally showing that they are legitimately um, a contender for tag championships? Because both of those guys have grown, you know, more than, you know, just just little steps. I mean, they've, they've gone leaps and bounds above where they were when they started out. Um you know, at, at what point do those guys break through and, you know, the whole faction has an opportunity of having tag belts, you have ice 
potentially as as your FSW champion. And also, you still have the briefcase with Braxton, uh, you know, and he could cash that in at any moment. Could we possibly be seeing the faction carrying four titles or, or you know, all four of them carrying a title? Uh, you know, everything's possible. You know, he has the case and the other and the other three have title matches. So uh, absolutely. You know, the question becomes, you know, does Braxton try and cash in? You know, there there's a title match inside the cage. If Hammerstone won, would that leave Braxton the opportunity to cash in after a right. grueling two out of three falls match? Would that be an opportunity for him to cash in? Theoretically, so, could Braxton theoretically cash the uh, cash the case in on the women's title? Do you have uh, any? No, he is not a woman, so he cannot. Okay, I, you know some of the companies. They, I mean. There, there is fair game. Weirdly enough, in that type of like opportunity, so I just wanted to make sure that wasn't like a surprise scenario. No, that that one we definitely. Uh, and if Chris Bay's in the house, I guess he could try to claim the uh, Mecca Grand Championship, right? You know, right. I don't know. I, I, I'm really not sure on the rules of Chris Bay's backstage hanging out. Uh, is it like the twenty four seven rule if he cashes in? I don't know. <laughs> um the the main event of course ice williams is someone who is you know worked his ass off over the years and even though a lot of people can you know not like him because he's very uh you know brash and, and very colorful and loud and just you know always letting you know how good he is um, at the same time, you're seeing a lot more love for him, and he took Hammerstone to the to the limit, man. Uh, the last time that these guys hooked up a few months ago, now they're in the cage. I mean, is this the possibility that Hammerstone's run might be over? You know, it definitely is possible. Uh, you know, Ice took Hammer to the. Uh... You know, as far as he can go. And, yeah. you know, one thing about Ice Williams, he gets a lot of support, you know, from his friends. And, you know, they come out in full force when Ice has big-time match. So I'm going to expect, even though Hammerstone is beloved, there's going to be a lot of Ice's friends who don't even know who Hammerstone is. And, they may, and they're not even wrestling fans. They're just going to go nuts for Ice Williams. So... Right. It's definitely going to be, uh, you know, Ice figured he was going to get that shot at against all odds. And, you know, he was putting his eggs in that basket, and that didn't work out. But, yeah. you know, he won a contender's match, put him right back on the map, and now he's, you know, looking to roll. Is, is Ice comparatively, if, uh, you know – you look at your FSW champions over the years, the Tyshawn Princes, the Alcatraz, Brian Cage, uh, you know, Hammerstone. These these guys are, are what would be considered almost heavyweight champions. These guys are, are big dudes. 
but then you had Chris Bay, um, you know, with the championship and did a fabulous job as FSW champion. Is ice along the lines of a cray where you know it's it's the it's the um, the total package of you know not just his look, not just his ability on the mic, but his in ring style. He can work with guys who are smaller and bigger. If he was the champion in FSW, would that open uh, some doors to you in terms of matchups that you could potentially do with that style of wrestler? Well, of course, they'd definitely be fresh matchups. But the difference between Ice Williams and Chris Bay is uh, Ice has a pack of wolves with him. So, you know, we saw it when Ice was the No Limits champion and Matt Vandegrift challenged him for him for the No yeah. Limits title. And many people felt that was when Matt Vandegrift was going to get the championship. And it didn't happen. And why didn't it happen? Same thing with Funny Bone, because the pack of wolves that Ice Williams – I'm not sure if Ice joining the faction helped the faction more or Ice Williams more. I I, I would almost think it helped Ice Williams more. You know, the faction went from, you know, a solid mid-card act to a headline act, but that is because of what Ice brought to the table. But now Ice has been, you know, a tremendous win-loss record because of that. Chris Bay and them wrestling wise, two different styles, you know, but with ice Williams, I can give you a a list of 15 guys on the FSW roster that in a one-on-one match, if I said, who's the favorite between ice Williams and graves, who's the favorite between Remy Marcel and ice Williams. Who's the favorite between Damian Drake? Who's the favorite between Cody? Who's the favorite between Jacob Austin Young? Who's the favorite with Hammerstone? So who's the favorite with him and Matt Matt Vandegrift? Him and Funny Bone again. Even him and Sin Bodie. You know, how many people say, oh, Ice Williams, he's definitely the favorite in that match. And the only reason he may be the favorite is because – a, he's the champion, so he needs to be pinned or submitted, and he's got the right. pack of wolves behind him. So, you know, there's a lot of young talent. You know, if I if I go to the casino uh, show, you know, Hammerstone, because of his schedule and he's a national star where Ice Williams isn't at this point, we don't get Hammerstone for every event. So right. Ice Williams is probably going to be at every FSW event. So if he's at the FSW arena, he's going to have a lot more title defenses in the year. And every one of those title defenses, I would think people are going to be like, oh, shit, he's wrestling Remy. Remy could win the title. Cody could win the title. Damian Drake could win the title. Hey, Matt Vandergriff could win the title. Danny Limelight. Gregory Sharp. Like, Shogun. Hero Lou. You know, those guys have been mixed and matched uh, in six mans and and singles and things all over the last six months. Well, who's to say a Shogun or a a Hero Lou aren't looking to be double champions? Right. You know, Shogun, you know, he he was on the verge. He he wrestled a few years ago at Chris Bay for the heavyweight title. You know, many people look at Shogun as, 
you know, a guy that could be the heavyweight champion easily. Yeah. So, you know, sky is definitely the limit. So, you know, one way or the other, you know, there's going to be a lot of different and newer matchups coming up in 2023. Or ice wins the heavyweight champion or the FSW championship. And then a pandemic breaks out and he's the FSW champion. Yes. Three years straight without having to. Yeah, and he he wasn't even around during the pandemic. Like I I remember talking to him, and I, and I think he had a a family member that 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 was that stayed with them, and he had I believe issues. So it would be very infrequent to see ice, and when you did, he was always wearing the mask. And he tried to keep an extremely low profile, which meant when we did do some of those smaller shows, he wasn't around. And we weren't going to strip him of the title just because of that. Right. Yeah. But I, I love, you know, the fact that, you know, he was a whatever, 200 and some odd day champion. But more than uh, that, it was more than a year. <laughs> uh, that was that was that was one of the best bragging rights, uh, you know, things for a heel to do. I, I, that's still one of my favorite things. Um, as we uh, wrap up here, any final thoughts uh, going into No Escape? Uh, you know, it, it's going to be the first casino show of the year. And in most cases, it's one of our big, you know, four shows that we do. And we're kicking it off. It, it's a monster card. It's, it's similar to the anniversary where you're really seeing the best of the FSW roster. You know, it's not a Mecca where we're going to go out and we're going to bring in a lot of these big name guys. This is the top stars of the company that has been built since 2009, 14 years worth. And right. you're going to see the best of the best you know, for the bragging rights. We have so much going on already talking with GCW about AEW weekend and another full tilt talking with Booker T talking with Defy. you know, uh, working on during that weekend uh, with one of our sponsors, future legends. And we're looking to put something together, a future legends championship tournament. That's going to feature the similar to the king of the indies but what we're doing is looking for the future future star uh, of of wrestling the future legend and you know there's going to be an age limit we're, we're looking for young and the rising stars that are going to be hopefully defending that championship not in fsw you know it, it can happen FSW, but throughout the country so we're going to try to get other companies involved and the future legends will be a, a special uh, match at different companies throughout the country. So, you know, hopefully we'll have more details on that, but for, you know, no escape, there's a few front rows left. You know, a lot of people usually wait to that last minute. There's not many. Uh, we're expecting a great crowd. I know Rocky, uh, Joey, uh, I guess Rocky's designed a, a different type of set that is going to be far different than anything we've seen at the Silver Nugget. I know more lighting has been purchased. So, 
uh, it's definitely aesthetically going to be even more pleasing. Uh, you know, we, we turn that nugget room into something a little different than if you walk into that empty room. And I yeah. guess the, the plan is for it to be even bigger and better and maybe our biggest production set that we've ever done. So, you know, there's, you know, everything's clicking on all cylinders and we're just hoping that, Hey, you know what, let's make this happen. Let's have a big show. You know, we're talking to other venues and we're looking to expand in 2023, you know, first in Vegas and then hopefully uh, elsewhere. Yeah. And again, it is this Sunday, the 29th at 5 PM Pacific time. Uh, you can catch it on Fight TV if you're not in the Vegas area. But if you are here, make it down there. Uh, check it out. It's uh, going to be a very solid and entertaining card. Uh, again, like Joe said, it is, you know, the best of the best kicking off the year. And an FSW, you know, uh, heavy show with, without having other guys coming in. Um, this is the moment for these guys to shine. And... Uh, it's it's exciting to see what's going to happen on Sunday, but then where it goes from there, because there's going to be a lot of questions that uh, are you know, we're going to have res resolution to a lot of feuds, and we're going to have a lot more questions about what's going to be happening going on with certain guys and uh, what their aspirations are for 2023. So uh, it's going to be something that is uh, a special night and uh it's a it's a don't miss if you're here in town so everyone thank you for tuning in this week and until next week we'll see you guys then.